Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. We just bless you tonight. We just glory in your presence. We just glory in your peace. We just glory in your rest. We just glory in what you're doing for us. We're just glorying in you, Lord, in every situation. We just glory in you, Lord, through our circumstance. We just glory you through it all. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We thank you for strength tonight. We thank you, Lord, that we're getting stronger every minute, every hour. Our God, you are strengthening us. We thank you, Lord, that we're glorifying you through everything, everything through Christ Jesus, everything through Christ Jesus. We can make it. We can do it. We have it all because of you, Lord Jesus, and we can do it because of you. We thank you and we glorify you tonight. We glory in your presence. We glory in your fire. We glory in your peace, oh God. We just glorify you tonight. We lift you up. We lift you up high. We lift you up high above every circumstance and every situation. We lift you up and we lift up your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. We lift your name up high, Jesus. Your name that's above every name. Your name, Jesus. We lift you up tonight. To you, Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified tonight. Be glorified tonight. We just soak in your presence and we lift your name up, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, your wraparound presence is our defense. Your wraparound presence is our defense. In your kindness, look upon the faces of your anointed ones. For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I'd rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful ready to go in and worship my God than to live my life without you in the most beautiful palace of the wicked. For the Lord is brighter than the brilliance of a sunrise, wrapping himself around me like a shield. He's so generous with his gifts of grace and glory. Those who walk along his paths with integrity will never lack one thing they need for he provides it all. O Lord of heavenly armies, what euphoria fills those who forever trust in you. Yeah, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, God. We just press into you tonight, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for this place. We thank you for this room that you have blessed us with where we could come and spread out and just soak in your presence, Lord. Where there's room for more. Where we can invite the, the lonely and the stranger to come in. Thank you, God, for provision. For provision for the vision you have provided. And you're generous, God. You're so generous in all your ways. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your protection, God. Your wraparound presence as we're reading in your word. 
We thank you that you surround us like a shield, that you are a burning God. You are a holy, consuming fire, as we've read before. Our God is an all-consuming fire. And we want to be on fire for you, Lord. We want to be those sons and daughters that can crawl up on your lap and, and not be those ones that aren't prepared for your nature and your character, but we want to be used to your fire. We want to be familiar with the fiery character of God. That fire of heaven that surrounds you, that emanates from you, that burns away impurity, that burns away unholy desire, that, that purges us and purifies us and refines us, that removes all of the hooks that the enemy has somehow managed to, to get into us over time. Thank you for your fire, Lord. We ask you, Father, tonight to release a baptism of your fire. Lord, you said, uh, John actually said, that the one who comes after him would not only uh, baptize us, but he would baptize us in, in uh, the spirit and in fire. And we need your fire like never before, Lord. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be milk toast. We don't want to be uh, just Sunday go to meeting Christians. We want to be your burning ones. We want to be your sons and daughters who are so intimate with you and so used to being in a place of intimacy with you that goes deeper and deeper over time. Just prepare us, Lord. Prepare us for the more. Prepare us for more of you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm just going to pray some things that I uh, typed up over this last week. I thought maybe it would turn into a message, but this is just, I want to pray this, if you guys can just receive this. And I'm going to ask maybe a couple more to pray too. Um, if you uh, have something you want to pray out, when I'm done with this, just maybe pop your hand up and I'll bring the microphone. You can pray. Um, but he is a pure, holy fire whose face shines brighter than the sun, according to Revelation chapter 1. So, Lord, we see in your word that, that your face shines brighter than the sun and your eyes are like blazing flames of fire. And we've been told that the fear of the Lord is not really fear, fear, but it's holy reverence, fear. But, Lord Jesus, when John the apostle saw you in your glory, he fainted. He fell at your feet as though dead. And your prophet, Bobby Connor, said, no, you should be afraid. <laughs> but we thank you, God, that you give us grace to come to you just as we are. And that as we grow familiar with you, that you reveal more and more of yourself to us. So that we wouldn't be destroyed by one glance of your face-to-face -face encounter but that you reveal measures of your glory to us. You acclimate us to your presence. But we want more tonight, God. We just ask you for more. Fear and trembling because our God is an all-consuming fire. Father, if we allow your refining fire to work in us, burning out the dross, removing all the hooks of the enemy, we will be able to stand in your presence while on the earth, just as Jesus did, 
knowing your power and your love and your heart and authority fully submitted and surrendered to you. We are willing to pay the price for the more of you, Lord. Yet we cannot buy it or we cannot earn it. But we recognize in your word it is a trade-off. As we die to ourselves, we make room for more of you. We see that compromise robs us of our inheritance. That you want to entrust us with your fire. That you would make us vessels that are cleansed of ignoble things and made clean and set apart to be used for noble purposes. That we would cherish your presence more than the desires of the flesh, more than sin, because sin robs us of our intimacy with you due to shame and withdrawal, ultimately robbing us of our authority because of the lies that have, been, that have to be embraced when we choose sin over consecration. So again tonight, Lord, we offer our bodies to you as living sacrifices. We offer our parts to you as instruments of righteousness. We put off the old man and we put on the new. We put off the old things of the sinful nature and we put on the new man, the new nature, made to reflect the image of Jesus and your likeness. Does anybody else have something that they'd like to pray before we move on? So I won't pray the end part here, but I'm just going to read what I feel like the Lord was dropping in my heart the other morning. <clears throat> this all relates to the maturity process. You know, the message that I had prepared for tonight was, is about identity. Um, I, I believe that it's the number one place that we need to begin and end. We need to know who we are. We need to know who Jesus saved us to be. That we wouldn't just be servants of God. We wouldn't just be slaves of Christ. Yet those are good, good definitions of our, of our heart towards God. Serving and being like a slave to Jesus. You know, that's, that's not a bad thing. But slaves don't get to enjoy the inheritance like sons and daughters do. And we have been redeemed and adopted into his family, and he has given us the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. And it's so important for us to recognize who we are. Jesus paid the highest price for you and me to enter into a relationship with him and with the Father and the Holy Spirit, a relationship of son or daughter to the Father. And as bizarre as it might sound to some of us, that you would be able to approach Jesus as your brother. Hebrews chapter 1 says, uh, Hebrews chapter 2 actually says, he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. It's wild. Yet he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is high and lifted up. And when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he filled the universe. Yet he's not ashamed to recognize you and me as brother and sister.
So our, our sonship, our daughtership, if that's, I guess that's a word if sonship is, our identity as, as the sons and daughters, the children of God, is where we, where we start and where we end. We cannot get our identity from our ministry, whether you're an intercessor or a, a prophetic voice or a pastor or a homeschool mom who's raising godly children. Our identity has to come back to being a son or daughter of God because when our ministry ends and we're not fully secure in who he says we are, what do we do? If my identity is wrapped up in being a pastor and my job as pastoring ceases for some reason or the church gets shut down by the government for a year for some reason, no matter what that is, do I then lose my identity? Do I no longer have a purpose? But when I come back to who he says I am, when he says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, that you are wrapped up inside of Jesus, that your life is tucked away and hidden deep inside my beloved son. And when I look upon you, I see him. And all of my affection, all of heaven's attention and affection is aimed and focused on the son of God and those whose lives are hidden in him. Then we can know who we are and, and where we stand. That we're safe and secure. And he will never leave us. He will never, never leave us. He won't forsake us. And that's where we begin, this Christian journey. And the last thing that I had typed up the other morning, the choice is, do we want to stay in our diapers? We enter into the kingdom as infants in Christ. Paul said, craving the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Scriptures are so important as baby believers. We just need to drink it and drink it and drink it until our teeth start to cut. And then we start finding the meat of the word of God. We just start to chew through and wrestle through those deeper truths of the word, the things that seem hard to understand at first. But the more time we press into God and pursue to learn and know his character and his nature and his will, those, those words of, of toughness actually nourish us. And it helps our teeth to, to come through. And it helps us to grow into maturity. So this all relates to the maturity process, not whether or not you're saved, okay? You can stay in your diapers as a Christian all your Christian life, and Jesus will welcome you into his kingdom. But there is a place where he gives us rewards. He gives us treasures. He wants to give you and me an inheritance now and later. We have an inheritance in the kingdom, and he will reward us for what we did with our lives in Christ. But there's a, a place now where we can actually receive our parts of our inheritance now while on the earth, the things that Jesus wants to release here on the earth through us, partnering with him as the sons and daughters of God. But much of our inheritance that he wants to entrust us with and have released through us will definitely depend on our willingness to go through a maturity process with him. See, I can't let Ethan stay a teenager all of his life and be a 30-year-old in the basement on a computer in chat rooms. You know, that's, and I know that's not what he would want, but how many of us know that that's often what happens to people in life? They stay 
trapped and they don't, they don't find out that there's a life that they get to enjoy and live and, and flourish in. And it's the same way in the kingdom. Many believers just stay like innocent babies, maybe not so innocent, but they stay like infant Christians. And the, the mature believers in the body of Christ have to change their diapers all the time. And we do it with love and grace. Sometimes we have to give a little, you know, holy rebuke or encouragement to, you know, <clears throat> move on into the things of God. You know, sometimes all it really is is somebody willing to say, you know, where Jesus wants to take you, where he wants to go, where he wants to, to run with you into your future, some of that stuff just has to get dropped off. It has to go. Like you can only go so far into your inheritance with certain things, certain certain luggage that we choose to keep. But there's more. He wants to run with us. He wants us to get all that he died for us to walk in. So the choice is, do we want to stay in our diapers all of our Christian life or become the sons and daughters of God who know what is our inheritance, our legacy? You know, that's one of the reasons why we, when we heard our previous mayor call Bremerton the the legacy city. And that just grabbed us because the word legacy is basically the same word for inheritance. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he gave us an inheritance. He he provided a legacy for us to take hold of and run with. And so our heart as Scott and Tammy Alcorn over Legacy City Church would be to see a house of believers raised up and growing up together in maturity and running into, <clears throat> running into their full inheritance. Because he has so much for us. He's got so much more for me. And you know, and, and for you. And there's things that I need to make adjustments in. And there's things that you need to make adjustments in. You know, we were told years ago that most people are one or two adjustments away from becoming very powerful leaders. Very powerful leaders. Just one or two adjustments. <clears throat> and you all are leaders. Whether, I don't know who the oldest in the room is, but as, I guess I'm the oldest male in the room. So as, as a 53-year-old man, what was I saying? <laughs> I, I got distracted by how old I am. Yes. There, there are adjustments for me to make. And God has called me to lead areas of my life. We are all called. I don't even know where I was going with that. I was pointing out the age thing. But, oh, yeah, as the oldest or the youngest. As the oldest person, man in the room, or the youngest man, which would be Oscar, we are all called to be leaders. He's called to be a leader. Nora is called to be a leader. And becoming a leader means, first of all, leading yourself. Like, can I lead me? Can I, can I take myself by the shirt <clears throat> and get up 15 minutes earlier until that's a habit? And then get up another 15 minutes earlier, which becomes a habit, a new habit. That's what I've done lately. I need more time with the Lord. And so to make a new habit, I've made it so it's not impossible, just an adjustment one or two adjustments to really help bring me into a deeper place with God, to make me a better leader. So most of us are one or two adjustments away. 
whatever that is. But you're called to lead yourself. And if you're married, to lead your spouse in a partnership. As, as a parent, to lead your children. As an employee, to be a leader in your workplace. Be a leader in your neighborhood. See, Jesus says that you are the head, you're not the tail. You're not the one who just follows what the crowd is doing. No, we are to move forward in the things of God. Yeah, we are not to be conformed to the culture. We are to be transformed. We are the ones that bring transformation. I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures. Are we doing okay? Is this okay? Okay, I'm, let me kind of get my attention if it's like you know, you're just kind of boring everybody. Okay. <clears throat> So when it comes to identity as a believer, let's just look at this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. I, I knew that I'd want to go into this. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are God's chosen treasure. Just put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a chosen treasure. I am a chosen treasure. You are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings. Now, we won't go into that today, but that is part of who you are. As a son, as a daughter of God, you are a royal priest. When you got saved, you entered into the ministry. The pastor of the church does not do all the ministry while you just support his ministry or her ministry. You are all a part of the ministry. And the parts, the, the job of the pastor and the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist and the teacher is to equip all of us saints to do ministry. Again, part of our heartbeat as, as a church is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to see an army of believers, sons and daughters, secure in who they are as a son and daughter, going out into the public and loving on this, this city, loving and bringing the love of Jesus through miracles, signs, wonders, encouragement, prayer for healing, whatever it looks like, to take the things that normally are trapped inside of the church walls and to take that out of the church. When you're at Costco serving a sample and you realize, you begin to get revelation that the anointing of God rests on you everywhere you go, and everyone you touch, that anointing of heaven is released. And the more, <clears throat> the more you recognize it, the more powerful the release becomes because it's intentional. And then when that person is walking by and you say, oh, I love that jacket, and you just lightly touch them, you're, just, you're brushing the love of heaven onto them. You're just putting the fingerprints of heaven, that anointing oil of the Spirit. You're just rubbing that on them. You're transferring something that you carry onto them. Or I'm not sure if you're doing house cleaning anymore. Are you still doing that? When you're cleaning someone's house, you're not just cleaning their physical house. You're bringing the atmosphere of heaven into their domain. You've been invited to step into their personal sphere by their permission, and you are coming in there and you are cleaning, but you're releasing the presence of God into that place. As a mailman, I'm not just delivering letters. No, when I put that piece of mail through the door slot, whew, 
I release heaven into that place. I, I intentionally, not every door, but when I think about it, I intentionally release the presence of God into that place, whatever that blessing or whatever that need is that they have, whether there's brokenness or addiction or hopelessness, I release God's heartbeat into that place. And we know that Jesus said, all of us who are born again, who carry the Holy Spirit in us, out of our bellies, out of our innermost being, rivers of living water would flow out. That is a flowing out. It's not just we carry a bottle of water around with a cap on it. No, we are a vessel that, that the flow goes through. He comes in and he goes out of us. The kingdom of heaven is in your heart. It's within you. And the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Corinthians, no, Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So you carry the Holy Spirit in you. He brings the kingdom, and he releases his kingdom, the king's domain. He, re he releases his dominion through you. The kingdom of God is in your heart, and it's at hand. It's at hand. And if we could, could equip ourselves and remind ourselves as we, as we learn and get revelation of who Jesus says we are and all that he paid for us to walk in, the authority and the power that he gave us to walk in through the cross, that we will begin to intentionally release his kingdom everywhere we go. You could walk into the grocery store uh, I don't know, you guys remind me of someone that um, would say, yeah, Fred Meyer, aisle four, was their, their favorite place to uh, have an encounter with a stranger, and it just always happened to be, it might have been a joke about the aisle number, but she would just love to go into Fred Meyer's, and that's where she would look, look around intentionally for not only her groceries, but who God might bring into your path. So anyway. Just to move on here, you are priests who are kings, and maybe that's as far as we'll go tonight, but you are a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the earth, throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched in it. You are drenched in his mercy. I love the Passion Translation. I don't always use it, but when I do, watch out. It's just <laughs> drenched. That's not in the NIV or the ESV, which are other ones that I like, but yeah, you're drenched with his mercy. That's a good word. We're going to read one more scripture, I think, and then we might wrap it up with this. Is that good? You think so? Okay. I needed some affirmation here. To... My typical tendency would not be to hit the brakes early. So normally the plane will circle around about 20 times. Then Tammy's like, cut it. Cut it off. And Ethan's over there falling asleep on the chairs. And... So Romans uh, 12 Verse 2, I love verse 1, you know, most of us know these, these two verses, offer your body as a living sacrifice. That is your spiritual act of worship. You know, 
Worship is not just singing songs. It's just giving ourselves to him over and over again. You put yourself on the altar, and his fire will come down and rest on you. You Stay positioned. I I like to think of it as positioning your heart. You know, your heart is just your spirit person within you, your spirit man, your spirit woman. When you, when you angle your heart like you're laying it down before him, when you're yielding yourself, that's a, a good NIV word, yield yourself. When you submit, when you press in, when you open up your heart in that position of surrender, that is what we do as worship. It's a continual attitude of submission and yieldedness. So that is our, our act of worship. And then in that act of worship, as we move from that, that position in life, Paul said, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. How many of us know it's really easy to get swept up in the opinions of the culture? Doesn't matter what your political angle is, you can get swept up either way. And, and it actually does some serious damage. It, it can really mess you up. Whether you're on the, the right side or not, you, know, you, you can get messed up on either side because too much of the cultural pull, the current, the, the stream of information, you can just get pulled into it and swept in until it totally pulls your affections and your attention away from the kingdom mindset that he has for us. And it brings you down into a political mindset or an earthly mindset. And I am the first one to raise my hand and say, I'm guilty of doing it. The good news is he doesn't abandon you. He doesn't leave you there. But when you say, God, I, I lost sight. My, division, my, my vision has become division. I have two things that I'm trying to look at. Draw me back to you. Bring me back to that place of intimacy with you where you are my number one affection. You are my heart's desire is to just to be with you, to spend time in your presence, to feed on your word and to feed on worship. See, I had to eliminate half a dozen podcasts off my phone and purposefully put more worship on my phone and maybe even choose to not feed on some political teachings or podcasts, information, updates, and instead, soak all day long. Just listen to some soaking worship, instrumental. That's been fun, too. Anyway, I think you guys kind of hear, hear my heart is, you know, God just wants us to have a single eye. He wants our, our vision and our eye, the eye of our spirit, to be single, not divided, it's okay to, to pay attention. I think it's important to pay attention to what's going on in the earth so that we can pray, so that we know how to, to uh, give our feedback, what, how we apply our words, the power of our words over those situations. We can, we can take our tongue and we can partner with the enemy and declare unholiness and, and the enemy's agenda, which is definitely a bad thing, building, on the, building the wrong camp, or we can see the things that are going on in the culture and begin to intercede and pray and bring heaven's answer into those things. So stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. 
Now, I memorized this as a new believer. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I was automatically taught that that means reading the Bible. You know, you need to get transformed by reading scriptures. Now, that is very true and important. But that verse is talking about more than just reading the word of God. It's about taking the word of God, but also communing with the Holy Spirit, who is the one, he is the author of the book. He is the one who brings the light of the word and and brings it to life to you. He is your magnifying glass. He is your interpreter, the flashlight down on the book, so you can actually see and receive what the word of God is telling us. The man without the spirit does not understand the things of the spirit, but those of us who have the spirit of God, we get to enjoy the deep treasures, the deep things of God. And so as you read the word, it, it is more than just transformation through reading or, or you know, just taking information in through your eyes. It's, it's through the word of God, but it's through an atmosphere of worship and submission to the spirit of God. He has a lot to say. The Lord has a lot to say. He has a lot in the word of God for you to read and, and soak in, but he also wants to teach you and me how to hear his voice so that we know when the word of God is uh, being established inside of us, there are handles for the Holy Spirit to pull on inside of you so that you know what to do in certain situations. You know how to react. You know, Because like the Proverbs says in one half of a verse, to be silent in the presence of a fool. And then in the other half of the verse, it says to answer the fool or he'll be more stupid, something like that. That's a total botching of that verse. But if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll find it later on to show you. So you have to know which angle of that verse applies in every situation. So you can know the word of God, but you need to know how the Holy Spirit is leading you and directing you to, to apply that truth. You guys Okay. Let's stand up and pray. Judy, you want to come up here and pray? Is that okay? Holy Spirit, tonight we really thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our hearts, to our lives. You said that your word is life. It is a light unto our path. And Lord, tonight, as we soak in what you have given to us tonight, help us to get a hold of your word. Help us to be able to be a blessing to those that are around us every day. We thank you for each one that gave up their time tonight to honor you in this building. And we thank you, Lord. We honor you because of who you are. We love you. And I thank you for Scott and Tammy for giving them a heart for your word and for the people here tonight. We love you, Lord, and I thank you because you are awesome. And we know you're the biggest healer, you're the biggest deliverer that we could ever have. So, Lord, as we depart tonight, may you bless each and every one tonight that has come out to serve you, to give their life to you in an awesome way. 
And Lord, tonight, we just thank you for who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we'll wrap it up with that, but we never want to um, end a meeting without having the opportunity for anybody here who might need physical healing or any kind of healing in your body. <clears throat> Tammy and I received a word uh, a few years ago that, that God has called us to heal hearts. So if you have, whether it's a physical heart issue, we've seen miracles happen with hearts that were going bad, like needing surgery, but also healing of the broken heart, healing of the the places where there's disappointment and, and maybe there's wounds. You know, he, he restored our hope by taking us through a church falling apart and helping us walk out of that and not losing our passion for him. We kept our, our passion because he, he gave us the ability to hold on to hope and to take everything that we had gone through and to encourage others that there's more, that there's more ahead, that there is, there is a way for God to set us free from the things of the past so that we can forget what is behind and we can press on and run with him. Because the things that he has for us in the future, I'm prophesying right now over myself and you guys, the things that he has for us in the future far outweigh the things of the past. The things of the kingdom in the past that he instilled inside of you and instilled inside of me, those things never fade. They don't go away. But things of the church, they change, they shift. People come, people go. Uh, things happen. Uh, relationships that you once thought were going to be forever get pulled and strained and ripped. It's just part of church life. But his heart for you and me is to be able to walk through all of that pain and find wholeness so that we can run into the things of, of, of heaven, run into his purpose. So we'll take some time. We'll put some music on, and you guys can visit as long as you want. We'll put a little music on in the background, and uh, if you want some prayer, we'll take some time and pray. Is that good? Amen.